0: Hi everyone, Uh, no matter which part of the world you're listening to us, it's Alex and me again, and we've got a uh, very interesting discussion with a very interesting guest, Vimal Kumar Rai. And I'm sure many of you know him, but for those of you who don't know him yet, uh, Vimal will give a quick introduction. And uh, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, that's the interesting part. I'm in a little bit of a funny mood today. So we call it customer experience, but I have a few other words for it, which we're going to talk about a little bit later but let's let's get vimal uh, alex do you have a, i mean do you want to say something before we get vimal introducing himself
1: hello everyone <laughs> No, hi everyone. Uh, yeah, we are back and uh, now giving word to Vimal to introduce himself. Vimal is a customer experience guru, but that's the only thing that I will say and leave the rest for Vimal to introduce himself.
2: Thank you, guys. That's uh, that's such an amazing. Uh, it, it's such an amazing feeling to be on your podcast. Um, I I remember when you first started it and you reached out and uh, and I've been listening to every uh, episode that you've had. So I'm I'm honored. I'm truly honored to be on this. Um, my name is Vimal. Um, I'm not really sure what to say about myself, except you know that I've been in the travel and aviation industry. Uh, it seems like forever. Um, I started my journey with Singapore Airlines. I and then I moved on to Jet Airways in India, um, and then I crossed over to the dark side, as they say, where I worked. I started working for suppliers and and consultants um, into the. Travel in aviation industry, and so I've worked with, uh, obviously inside airlines. I've also I've also worked uh, for suppliers supplying into airlines. I have worked with startups, scale ups, um, in loyalty, in fintech, um, and then interestingly, in the last couple of years, um, I've also sort of branched out beyond aviation, and you know started looking at um, uh, manufacturing, hospitality. Uh, even, uh, you know, even uh, strange uh, sort of completely unrelated businesses such as infrastructure and finance, right? Uh, But that's been my professional journey. Um, In terms of my passion, I'm, I I believe I'm one of those, you know, lucky guys who can sort of uh, work, uh, you know, together with my passion and not just uh, work for a business. Um, I've started up a company recently called Commercial Excellence Partners and And we focus very much on helping large enterprises with uh, commercial issues. So any issues around sales, marketing, innovation, um, customer experience, leadership, culture, and and digital transformation, or or just generic sort of transformation, right? Service transformation, operational transformation. So that's kind of what I've been doing for the last uh, year or so. And um, the big news uh, recently for me was that I relocated. So I've lived across five or six different countries. I have now relocated to Dubai um, about six months ago. And, uh, and so David, I'm,
0: I'm a lot closer to you now physically. <laughs> True. <laughs> and, and, I, and welcome to your first UAE summer. It's, it's been a brutal one this year.
2: Yes. Yeah. It's pretty hot. Yeah. And humid. And humid, yeah. But then, you know, I'm from Singapore, right? So, ah, correct. I mean, Singapore humidity is, yeah, Singapore humidity is like typically above 90% most days. Um, but it's the heat. I mean,
0: 45, 45 degrees is is no joke. Absolutely, Vimal. Vimal, thanks for the introduction. And, um, you know, and uh, I think let's dive a little bit into this really interesting topic that uh, that we were going to discuss today about the customer experience side of it right uh, we're going to look at it from an aviation perspective but i want to go on a little bit of a tangent if both of you all will allow me to i want to remove the word cus- customer and i want to talk about the experience and of course uh, over the last few weeks uh, the news whenever i put on the news it's not good news you know you've got all the uh, You've had, first of all, the earthquake happening in Morocco. And then of course, you've got the floods uh, happen, which happened in Libya, huge losses of life. And, uh, and when I think about the term experience, I think of the real world experience versus what I would call manufactured experience or artificial experience that companies create. And that's where, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling with it, you know, because as we get more and more, I would call it high tech, technology, sort of, you know, tools and stuff like that, we still have the natural experience, which we can't control, you know, and I think, and my heart goes out to the families that have lost loved ones in all the different disasters that have happened, you know, and even the recent disaster, the fires that are happening, you know, all over the world. So we'll come back to the natural side of the, the sort of, you know, experiences that we don't have control over, uh, to what we're gonna talk about, about the artificial slash manufactured ones. It doesn't sound as good as when you talk about customer experience, I would call it manufactured experience. Would you, would you sort of agree with me that it's manufactured or is that too industrial a term?
2: Um, no, I mean, it's a great characterization. I like the way that you juxtapose something that happens naturally versus something that is done for business purposes um, or service purposes, for example. Uh, and I think it's a fact of life, David. Uh, but, you know, also there is something in between, right? Because I think as human beings, one of the greatest things that, that we have, uh, within us is this idea of service. And, you know, if, if you can be of service to somebody else in your life, um, so, you're not, it's not about yourself, it's not about you know, what you're consuming as an individual um, with a business, but it's about how are you helping somebody else in, in, in life. And so, I would put that sort of you know, somewhere in between a, a very personal or, or maybe a very business ex, um, manufactured experience, to, to, to use your terminology, and, and a natural experience that you have zero control over. But then you have some control over how you respond to the experiences that happen to you naturally, right? So somebody comes up to you, people come up to you, organisations come up to you, and, and they require your help or your service. And so that that's sort of an in-between, if I if I could say
0: so. Thank you, Mimalea. And I think, you know, that's what got me thinking. I was thinking about it for the last few days. And, you know it really is where you struggle with, right? So, and that's where I thought, let me just open this with, this with this discussion because these sort of things that happen are always a reminder that we, whether even in the manufactured world, we sometimes can't control it if things go wrong.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Um, you know, the other thing that it sort of triggers me with is this idea that, you know, if you look at, and, and a, a, a few weeks ago, I posted one of my favorite images of all time on LinkedIn. It's this, it's, it's a very busy slide which shows the progress of economic, um, uh, economic uh, history in, in humankind from, you know, from, from the time when uh, industrialization happened, right? So industry 1.0. And, and to, to cut the long story short, I mean, we are all now, when I say we, I mean all businesses and all people who work in businesses are now competing on experiences, right? We, we're not just selling products. In fact, if you look at the fortune 500 today, um, more than 70% or 80% of companies are now, uh, earning their revenues from non-physical products. They're learning they're they're actually earning revenues from services, right? Um, and and so when you talk about a, a physical product versus an intangible service that you can't hold, um, what, what is the difference there? The difference is you're not talking of a product that works, that is mechanical, that does something for you. You're talking about a service and that service delivers you utility or value. And that's an experience, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, uh, that's the whole point of a service is to deliver you an experience. And so, you know, when you think about it, whether we are short-term focused or long-term focused, um, you know, uh, we, we are, whether we like it or not, working within the experience economy, right? So, so experiences really are sort of like the future of business, if you think about it.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you, Imal. I'm thinking, you know, about airlines, I mean, at the end of the day, many products are very similar, the hard products. So the seat uh, is quite, especially in the economy, right? Economy seats are pretty basic and standard across all the airlines. But what is really differentiating... Um, it for a passenger is this customer experience uh, element and you know like my i keep saying that uh, i'm a f- big fan of jet blue which is my favorite airline what makes it very different for me is a customer experience this amazing experience that i have only on board of jet blue this is what makes it different for me so i think like the importance of customer experience is crucial no question about that and my question to you would be, you spent most of your career, right, in, in in airline industry or at least like a big chunk of your career in airline industry. What do you think Like, um, are the, the most common challenges that airlines face in delivering this exceptional or remarkable, memorable customer experience to passengers?
2: Uh, that's a... That's a very deep question, uh, Alex. And and um, and I think, you know, there, there are many, many, many potential reasons, but I think there are really sort of three or four major ones, right? So I think the first very obvious one is that airlines operate within a very challenging service scape. Um, you know, so after they sell you tickets and everything, there are so many other uh, minor things uh, and major things along the way, such as check-in, boarding, uh, you know, airport security, customs immigration, crowding, ATC, weather, other passenger behaviour. I mean, there's so many things that are not within the control of airlines. Um, and so when anything goes wrong, especially if it's towards the end of the journey, say your flight is delayed landing or forced to divert because of weather, passengers will blame the airline, right? And so years later, when they tell the story, oh you, you know, I was travelling from uh, you know, Dubai to Seychelles for my holiday, and guess what? We had to divert Nobody ever talks about the great service in flight. They will always be hyper focused on the diversion, the stress, the problems, the fact that it cost you an extra day or you know whatever have you. So, airlines are subject to so many externalities that they cannot control. Right. That's 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 the first big reason. Um, they are also I think you know the second big reason is that, I I I think we don't, very often in the industry we're not really clear what is meant by superior customer experience. Right. Um. Superior against what, right? What's your benchmark? Uh, are you comparing against other airlines? Are you comparing against accepted norms in the airline industry? So if if my seat is thirty three inches wide, versus uh, uh I mean sorry I have got a thirty three inch uh, pitch versus uh most other airlines that have thirty one is that superior? Well I mean you ask the guy who's six foot five sitting in a thirty three inch seat pitch right I mean is that superior to him? No it's not, right? So so I think. You know, when, when, you measures, when you talk about superior or memorable, it, it's a very personal subjective thing, right? Um, and the third reason is, uh, you know, I think a lot of the airline folks who are in the customer experience space, um, and I don't mean this to be negative or insulting, but I think they don't really understand and appreciate what is meant by customer experience. Um, it's an unfortunate reality of the airline business that operations is so strong and so forceful that, you know, a lot of things are very difficult to overcome. And so we kind of we go with the flow, right? So a lot of people within the industry, I think, end up focusing on service versus experience. Now, service is the action that you take. It's a series of processes. It's a series of actions sometimes it's reactive in response to when you know somebody asks you for something. experience is the outcome right so what what does the customer take away from that engagement with you um, it 's a lot of emotions it 's a lot of memories it 's a lot of feelings, and so you know airlines put in a lot of work into process improvements, service tactics, lighting, fragrance, but you know very little actually goes into the purposeful design of the experience, right? So airlines focus on the transaction, not on the feelings, right? Um, and um, and then perhaps maybe the last thing I would say would be, you know, if, if you think about superior customer experience, just as a, as a phrase, right? Typically, only full-service airlines or premium airlines end up delivering what we would call superior experience, you know? They typically, they would put resources around it. They would have a management structure. They invest resources, time and money in branding, in, in premium, you know, brands and, and products and services, right? In curating the right environment. So a lounge, uh, recruiting the right people and, and making sure that they have the right skills and all that. Um, LCCs, not so much, right? You know, they, they probably can't afford this kind of investment. Um. And as I'm talking to you, I'm sort of thinking of one last thing, and I haven't had a chance to validate this yet uh, but um I think there is an inherent struggle in the airline business you know we all know the airline business is low margin it's high cost right so you know you you want to focus as an airline you want to focus on on the things that you can control, so the processes the systems the the you know you want to try to be agile and innovative and 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 the question is this, right? So if if an airline CXO had $100 to invest between improving a system or improving customer experience, I think they would be more than likely to invest 90% of it or more in the system and 10% on the experience. The attribution, you know, so if I've invested $90 in a system, I can draw the line from that investment to cost savings, to revenue increase. But if I invest the ten dollars on experience, I can't really draw that that line very clearly between you know a, an improvement in experience and an improvement in revenue or cost, right? So so these are some of the reasons I think airlines really struggle.
0: Oh wow, you got so many points there that got me thinking, Vimal. Now which one do we start at, Alex? So let me can I jump in over here? So I'm just thinking from a personal perspective because you spoke about that the experience is something really personal, right? It, your experience could be what you want is different from what i want what alex wants what the other million of different other people sort of want out there and of course the issue of personalization is a completely it will take up its own podcast on its own i will come maybe touch on that a little bit but just thinking aloud so i'm planning a trip sometime in november and obviously the experience starts when you start thinking about the trip you know so you know and it's not just on the air it's not just at the airport it's 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 as and as when you start the trip. So, you know, I've taken out my notepad, looking at dates, you know, putting the dates down. Then of course you decide what you want to go. Then you start looking at which airline you want to sort of, you know, fly on, which hotel you want to book. And that re- raises me to the point of, like you also mentioned about the physical product versus the digital product. And obviously when I've decided on say X airline, uh, I go to their website and that's the digital experience for me the question is how easy is that experience Uh, how how sort of I I, I don't I won't use the word seamless because I remember you telling me David this was long time back there's nothing in this world that is seamless so I'm going to get away I'm going to get away from the word seamless I remember things well I don't forget so you go on the website you know you know the the site is clunky it's complicated it's it's you know useless but you know to a large extent for me my purpose and then of course so what I want to try and say is is you're right the it's it's the experience, the experience starts way out. And for people who don't fly frequently, it's it's something that they're really looking forward to. But then you have the digital side and you have the physical side of the experience. And like you rightly said is, airlines would invest in technology and processes, but ultimately they're still airlines. Uh, I still find the booking process and the digital process still complicated. I get uh, 10 meals for one trip for when i don't need ten mails, I need one mail. so what are your thoughts on this sort of separation of digital and you you touched on it, but maybe we can go a little bit more into the digital versus physical products uh ah, physical experience let me use the word
2: yeah i i think it's a it's an important question because we live in a world today unlike let's say twenty four years ago precisely before you know before mobile phones and before you know before mobile phones became so so uh, ubiquitous for everyone, right? So, I, you know, we live in a world today where we, you know, every service that you encounter has a digital element to it, right? And certainly with airlines and with trip planning because airlines are only part of the entire trip uh, uh, end-to-end process if you think about it, the, right? The airline is pretty much just getting you there. Then you've got the holiday and even before that, you've got the planning as, as you already said. So, 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 um, it, it's it's important for the airlines to consider and i i honestly i you know i'm not i don't have a strong answer as to how good or bad the airline digital experience is because i think airlines are sometimes unfairly bashed in in social media and online you know they, you know everybody says airline websites are bad and uh and and i agree in some cases you know when you want to buy a ticket you know if you want to change your dates change your itinerary you've got to go in many websites you've got to go all the way back to the beginning and even in the app right you know they don't save your history they don't they don't they're not intuitive to use they're not you know the ux is terrible and, and so on and so forth but but we must remember at the end of the day airlines are you know they don't make money off you until they sell you the ticket pretty much right um and once they sell you the ticket that opens the doors to other things so you know the the first point of conversion is the ticket for the airline, and 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 I don't blame airlines for wanting to focus on that, right? Um, the question becomes when you have airlines like Air Asia, when you have airlines like uh, perhaps even Singapore Airlines, right? To to just use one from either end of the spectrum, they are trying to become super apps, or they're trying to reach into your share of life, so they are no longer just an airline. They in fact Air Asia says we. We happen to be a super, we we are a super app or we are a technology company that happens to have aircraft, right? Um, And and so that's a completely different shift, right? Um, But but I think fundamentally, you know, 99.9% of airlines are going to focus on that conversion and that's what they're trying to get you to do. I, I, I wouldn't really want to be able to, to say you know, wh- whether it's good or bad. I think they can do a better job in terms of that conversion on the mobile app or on the website. I think, for example, one, areas, one area where airlines can do better is trip planning and inspiration. Um, you know, nobody... I mean, okay, you, you know, you guys, Alex and David, when you, you planned the, the last holiday that you planned, right? did you start with the airline website? No. No. And that's my point. N-
1: I start with Google Flights. No. Yeah,
2: and, and that's my point. Nobody ever goes to the airline website, and that's not the airline's fault, right? That's that's just the way it is. So we have to understand the role that airlines play in that process, and we can't beat them up too much over it. I think.
1: Yeah, Wimal. Well, you know, like uh, while you've been talking about all the different challenges and the different like stages in customer experience, I keep thinking that. It's sort of like, at least for me, it's sort of like a sum of all the positive and negative things. So customer experience that at the end I get or my impression of it is the sum of all the positive and negative things that happened to me on this airline. At the end of the day, I will have a positive customer experience if the number or importance of the positive things are bigger than the negative things that happened to me. And i give you an example. I flew and my flight, it was delayed more than three hours, right? So of course, I live in Europe, EU 261, I know by heart, I'm happy, i gonna apply. I apply for this and I actually get a compensation. So the negative part of this experience was that my flight was delayed, the positive thing for me is that the airline actually treated me really nicely they re- responded very quickly they gave me back money i give you a parallel example that just happened recently i'm helping my cousin to get a compensation for his delayed flight and the airline is just like being <laughs> brutally i feel like dishonest uh, giving the reason that is not the case and at the end, suggesting like, okay, here is the link. If you want, you can apply, like you go to court. So even I didn't fly this airline, my cousin did. In my mind, I already have a negative customer experience. So I don't know, like it's it's a probably a lot of uh, thoughts in, in, one, in one sentence. But would you agree that at the end of the day, customer experience is the sum of negatives and positives?
2: Uh, yes, and you're touching on one part of the customer experience uh, subject that I, I have a deep, deep, deep passion for and that's behavioral science, right? And of course, we can define customer experience as the sum of our interactions, which is correct. You're absolutely correct to say that. Unfortunately, even though we, as human beings, we think that we are very logical and we balance everything plus and minus, and And, you know, if it's, if it's 100 plus and 20 minus then 80 plus and yay, it's a great service. It doesn't work like that in reality, right? Um, the, the reality of it is that, and, and this is theories in behavioral science. So there's there's a very common one that I can explain very quickly. It's called the peak end rule. So the peak right at the top, the trough at the bottom, the end, uh, sorry, the peak end rule. So the, the peak, is, which is right at the top, the trough, which is right at the bottom, so the most positive experience you've had, the least positive experience or the most negative experience that you've had, and then the end of that interaction. And your your interaction with an airline is typically, it's never a straight line. It's usually like that, right? And, and if you're listening to this, then you can't see what I'm drawing in the air, but I'm, but I'm basically drawing like a...
1: Like a heartbeat.
2: Yeah, like a heartbeat. Yeah, except it's not consistent, right? And the fact is that the rule states that you know, in any interaction you will remember the, the high moments, you will remember the low moments, but most importantly you'll remember the end. Right? And and that has a disproportionate impact on your entire memory of the and, and feeling of the experience. So so let's let's take an example. You've you've had wonderful food. Yay. Uh, the seat wasn't great. Um, the service was fantastic. Uh, the flight was unfortunately delayed by three hours and after which you were diverted to another station because of fog. Now, what's your experience on the flight? When you tell everybody, you're just going to say, oh my God, I'm never flying that airline again, right? The seat was terrible. The, the, you know, we got delayed and then we were diverted because the airport closed. I, that's, that's how it works in our minds, right? So the negative feelings that we have in us are far more important to us and impactful to us than the positive ones, unfortunately.
0: I know, and and I think, you know, that's the question is, and we tend to associate certain airlines with certain experiences, uh, you know, and it sort of becomes, and, you know, especially the news picks up things, you know, it's pretty easy to spread with social media, you know, in today's world as well. So one negative experience, one one bad flight, it's like friends of ours were stuck in, in Madrid, uh, flight was delayed great but in order for the hotel to be rebooked they had to stand in a line for more than four to five hours so again you know uh, you know you had a double whammy so to say uh, but then Wimal, my question would be is so you got you know I would call it different sets of airlines airlines that know what they do pretty consistent great service then you got the other sort of you know spectrum where you know low-cost you pay for what you get. Don't expect great food on board. Don't expect the great seat. We know we're hearing a few colleagues speaking about low-cost airlines, and I won't talk about the names. But oh my God, the seat—it was worse than a, you know, you know, whatever it is, you know, food and all that stuff. But I want to talk about Air India. The reason why I want to talk about Air India is it's an airline with a long history, a very checkered past, uh, and of course they've got the recent initiative that they've sort of launched called Abhinandam I think it's called Abhinandam if I if I think and, and to translate it in English yeah. I think it's welcome or uh, it's welcome or uh, how it's, may I help it's it's like greetings or yeah. it's greetings and yeah. and here they've used people rather than sort of saying you know we improve our digital touch point where you can complain quicker or your rebooking process or whatever which is interesting uh, so you know it's always great that I can come up to a staff at the at the airport if my flight is delayed And then sort of say, okay, can you help me out now on a rebooking, on rebooking a flight? And going back to the example of my friends that really got stuck. Of course, the argument is if you have three people and 300 passengers or 200 plus whatever passengers, will there be enough? But my point is that is it enough to have just the humans there versus giving them the ability or the authority to take decisions? Because I've seen it in my previous life with airlines, Uh, taking a decision outside of the book uh, because we're very process-driven is a no-no. Sorry, sir, I can't help you. I do understand what you want, but I can't help... You know, I I understand what you're going through, but the rule says... So the question that I have is, is that, I mean, what do you think, how do you think this will be a success? Uh, Specific to Air India, you mean, David? I mean, talking generally, I mean, I think it's a great experience because number one is finding a human... Related to an airline in an airport nowadays is pretty rare, you know. You, you, you may find the check-in people, but then you're going looking around. So using that as an example of, say, let's say we've assigned the manpower. Yeah. But what else do we need to in order to make that succeed?
2: So you know something, it's funny that you mentioned Project Abinandan because I posted about it, you know, it, the news came out and within two hours, I, 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 just, I banged out a post and I put it out. It was in the evening when I don't normally post. And my take on the whole thing was that I think it's absolutely brilliant, right? It's got nothing to do with experience, nothing to do with any of that. I think this idea behind Project Dabi and what they're calling, and, and what it is, just for the, view, uh, just for the listeners who, who, who don't know this. So Air India has decided to um, deploy uh, potentially hundreds of people, and I don't know the exact number, across 16 airports in India. And these, are, these people are going to be called Service Assurance Officers. Right, So it's not customer service, it's not assistance, it's not, you know, none of that stuff, right? They're going to be called service assurance, so that word assurance, right? Just keep that in mind, service assurance officers. And these people are ostensibly, based on the PR at least, going to be roaming these airports, talking to Air India passengers, being approachable. You can approach them for help, you know. Now, I thought this was brilliant, right? Not for any other reason than the fact that Now you've got all these Air India people dressed in Air India uniforms walking the airport. It's like, forget service. These people are your sales ambassadors. These people are your marketing ambassadors, right? They're going to be walking through the airport. And, you know, people are going to be looking at them, taking selfies with them. They're going to be talking to passengers. They're going to be helping passengers who can. Look, in an airport, what happens? When I have a problem... I'm not just going to look for the airline that I'm traveling on to ask a question. I see anybody in a jacket and a uniform wearing a tag, and I'm going to ask them a question, right? So this is what's going to happen. They are going to end up talking to non-Air India passengers. It's going to be fantastic marketing and sales for, for Air India. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you're absolutely right, David. At an airport, any airport you go to, it's so difficult to find airport staff who can help you. They are usually either walking from one, you know, from, uh, from uh, being on duty to break or break to duty, Otherwise, they're behind the counter and they're therefore unapproachable. So to have staff who are going to be approachable, that's where the assurance comes, right? Because that's what people want in a crowded place, in a stressful place, in an unfamiliar place. What you want is assurance. Now, again, I I go back to my behavioral science roots, right? You know, when we are put in a situation of unfamiliarity, when you're not sure, when it's crowded, you know, there's a little thing in our brain. It's a fight or flight syndrome, right? And in a fight or flight syndrome, you typically want to flight, right? And by flight, I don't mean aircraft. I mean, you want to run away. You want to avoid, right? And, and, and so, you know, to have somebody who can help you, this is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Now, can other airlines do this? You know, manpower is one of the most expensive things in the West, in Europe and in, in, in America. So can they do it? Sure. Is it going to be expensive? Yes. You know, let's see.
0: Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I think yeah, that's you, the manpower part of it is is an interesting part because India has the manpower. Uh, you know, we've got plenty of manpower, so I think yeah, that ties in well. So yeah, me and and women power and women power. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Alex. And women. Sorry, work power. Sorry, work power. Work power.
1: I'm I'm so to it uh, yeah it's okay yeah no but i agree with you vima like i also think it's it's a brilliant idea especially at the stage where they are trying to rebrand the airline right and change the perception it is so important to be visible to people and as you rightly said they will be talking not only to air india passengers but to other passengers and that's exactly the the, the target audience right the the market that they want to capture transfer passengers so Again, if I'm lost in the airport and I'm rushing to my Emirates flight, but then I end up talking to Air India, I start thinking, wow, amazing. Actually, maybe next time I consider flying Air India. And said, exactly. Just for the sake of example, two airlines. <laughs> Nothing personal. Yeah, exactly.
2: But that's exactly what I meant. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. And, and and actually so so this is the first step, right? And and I'm very excited by this because I think this is showing the way, this is taking leadership in service. If you ask me, Air India is showing the rest of the world what leadership in on ground service needs to look like, right? And the next step, you know, and this is something that you asked me earlier, David, you said, you know, do you follow process or do you are you allowed to deviate, you know? Um, experience is not about A process, right? You know, experience is about hospitality. It's about the feeling, right? But you know, and that's where the gap is, right? So you've got staff who are trained on process. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. This is what you can authorize. That's what you can't authorize. When you have a delay, if the delay is less than two hours, you can do this. If the delay is two to three hours, you can do that. You know, process, right? Customers don't think like that, right? So the next step of Project Abhinandan, if you ask me if I, was, if I was leading this in Air India, right? So the next step would be now, how do I train these hundreds of staff who are going to be on the ground? How do I train them to make conversation? How do I train them to be emotionally intelligent? How do I train them to listen and to, you know, to have that filter, that human filter, that emotional filter, so that I know how to interact with somebody not from a process perspective, but from a human perspective, from an emotional perspective, right? Um, and that's that's something that most airlines are are not so great at. So so that that idea of, you know, how do we train staff to be uh, to be empathetic? How do we train staff to listen? How do we train staff to be, you know, almost like uh, dramatists? You know, so people who are in drama, and I know because I was in drama for ten years, right? And when you're a performer, you learn how to add lip. You learn how to do um, what's known as um, uh, I just can't think of the word right now. But when when you are you know when you're thrown something, you have to react immediately. We're good at that, you know. You think on your feet, and this is something which airline staff uh, are not so trained at. And that that is the next step, if you ask me. Uh, it's called improv, David. I I've, I just remember the word.
0: Ah, improv. Exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Very good. Wimal, another question that I uh, had when we were preparing for for this conversation. I keep thinking about the fact that, you know, people are so eager to share their negative experiences on social media, make posts about, you know, horrible service, horrible food, I don't know, route, uh, delays, etc. You open any social media, LinkedIn including, right, and you see a lot of negative experiences. While when we are thinking about positive experiences, not so many people post a positive experience, like saying, I had such an amazing experience on this airline. Okay, maybe people on this call do, because we are so passionate about airlines, we want to share, right? But normally passengers, they don't do this. They don't make a Facebook post saying, I had an amazing flight with this airline. How? Do you think airlines can tackle this and and why in general I'm pretty sure there is like a psychological explanation and stuff why people are not sharing good experiences why we are being so like uh, mean and keep our good experiences to ourselves only It's a loaded question I understand
2: <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a it's a very good question it's, a, it's an extremely good question that nobody really deals with. So, so there is a scientific and a non-scientific part of it. So the scientific part of it, or rather my opinion of it. So the scientific part of it, that it's absolutely true, Alex, that when you talk about something negative, uh, negative news stories or, or negativity travels around the world much, much faster. You know, uh, 70% faster than positive stories. So there's measurements done by scientists. In, it's published in the Journal of Science. And I read this somewhere that uh, it takes... Uh, it takes positive news stories six times longer to reach 1,500 people, right? And 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 negative stories can actually reach hundreds of thousands and go viral extremely quickly. Extremely, right? Why does this happen? You know, I think we are just hardwired that way where, you know, the, if you look at the media, you know, the mainstream media, and, and you know, we, we, we're we kind of fascinated. I mean, it's... Why, why do you have a traffic jam and there's an accident on the side of the road? Because... Because we we drive by, and as much as we don't want to see, we see you know, so we we're kind of fascinated by the negative, right um but that that's that's a separate thing I think what can airlines do about it? I frankly don't know uh, i I don't have an answer, but I don't think airlines should be too worried about it, you know, because I think we overdo the whole oh my god, you know uh. Negative, you know, brand is going to get hit and oh, it's terrible for the airline. I don't really think so. I mean, if, if you look at the top 10 airlines in the world, right? And you've got the usual names in there, right? You look at Singapore, you look at uh, United, you look at Delta, you look at American, you look at, you know, whatever, right? There's so many of them. They have all had problems. And there's some pretty big problems, right? SQ has had a crash, SQ6 in Taiwan. Uh, United has had, you know, United Breaks Guitars, Dave Carroll, and they've had, uh, I think, the the incident with Dr. Dow or Mr. Dow. uh, There's so many things, right? Delta's had problems. Uh, Okay, look, the point is this. Yes, negativity is bad and it's a PR nightmare, but brands have been around for 50, 60, 80, 90, 100 years. Brands don't die because of one incident, right? You go through a rough patch, for a few weeks, maybe a couple of months, then you turn it around. So it's not such a bad thing. I wouldn't wouldn't be too worried about it. What I would be worried about is if it's consistently because of processes or consistently because your people on the front line are not doing well. If it's a flash in the pan, a one-off incident, almost unavoidable when you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of people a day, something is going to happen that is outside of your control.
0: Well, and then jumping on to that and being conscious also a little bit of time as well, Uh, if you look outside of aviation, which sort of companies or industries would you sort of say could give us the inspiration uh, in terms of the customer experience? I mean, uh, a few come to mind, but from your perspective, who do you think could be the benchmarks that we can look to outside of aviation?
2: Uh, so there's the usual guys, right? Uh, and you know, we don't need to say them. Netflix, Amazon, yeah, you know, yada yada. I think for aviation, uh, probably we should learn from Disney, right? And we should learn from uh, some of the better hotel chains, um, that that do a really really good job, like maybe Ritz Carlton. Especially if you're a premium airline, you want to learn from Ritz Carlton. Uh, you want to learn from Disney. I think LCCs can learn from Disney because human interaction, human-to-human, face-to-face interaction is not about how much I've paid for the ticket, right? It's about, you know, how I make you feel at the end of the day. And, and so these are the two brands I would say. I mean, but, you know, again, learning from, it's, it's a very wide category, David, and I don't want to go, go on and on about this, but, you know, I, I think we need to look at segments, right? So if you're talking of web conversion, who do you look at to learn about web conversion? If you're looking at uh, hospitality in a lounge, who do you look at? If you are looking at uh, training your people and getting the right skills and knowledge and attitudes, who do you look at? If you're looking at uh, you know, uh, products and services, who do you look at? You know? If you're looking at in-flight service, who do you look at? So you have gotta break it down and be a lot more sort of uh, purposeful about which are
0: the brands that you learn from. Absolutely, I think that's a valid piece, very important piece of advice which a lot of airlines forget or miss out on. They sort of look at one benchmark mm-hmm versus, like you said, is you need to look at different benchmarks depending on which part of the experience that you're sort of looking at at that, that particular point of time. Yeah, that's that's really insightful.
2: Yeah. I, I just want to call out, you know, there's a couple of airlines and Ryanair comes to mind, but there's there's one or two others. They're so good with their social media, right? Uh, you know, and and, and, that, and that's another area, right? So, you know, airlines can be great in terms of, you know, in-flight service or they can have fantastic food or they can have, you know, whatever, right? But you know, you, you've got to have a certain character. If, if you want to deliver a branded experience, and I come back to your point, Alex, about experiences being memorable and branded. If you want to develop, uh, if you want to deliver a real sort of a branded experience, branded means, you know, people will associate that memory with you specifically and not just with flying, right? You've, you've got to have a certain character, right? I mean, can you imagine if all three of us were the same? We had, you know, we had no sense of humor. We all sounded the same. We used the same language. How is anybody ever going to recognize us? Right? I mean, obviously they, they look at David, they look at me. Okay, two bald guys. They look at the beautiful Alex and they're like, okay, we can, you know, there's that particular personalized character of the brand that has to come through. And, and that's why I mentioned social media as well. You know, it's, a, it's an area where brands
0: can really sort of outperform at very, very low cost. And right now, when you talk about Ryanair and food, I think of pies, cream pies. <laughs> so those, who know, those who know, know. Those who don't know, do a little do a little bit of Google, Googling. That, that response was amazing, right? That's the point, right? So it's, again, how you respond to something.
1: Yeah, they are just amazing with their social media. I'm such a big fan. And, you know, the entire conversation that we have now, I've been thinking, what about Ryanair? I mean... They turn every success, every failure into their favor, you know, such an amazing team. And actually, I also, um, I've got thinking that customer experience is so related to expectations, right? So you have completely different expectations with Ryanair. And I would almost say, like, they're so, like, different from any other airline that they can get away with so many things. And it, it's, it's just a unique case, I feel, in the airline industry, really.
2: I completely agree. I mean, your expectations... I mean, that, and that's a whole other discussion on its own. But just looking at Ryanair, right? I mean, when you... Were, I, have, I have actually flown them only once, and my expectation was so low that, you know, if, if the seat was broken, it'd be like, yeah, well... If the food, yeah, if if the cap, if somebody was rude, is like, ah, okay. If the line was long, yeah okay, fine. You can almost forgive them, right? But the minute something yeah. nice happens that makes you feel amazing, you're like, oh my god, I didn't expect this. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly, exactly, well, this is such a such an interesting conversation, and we have so many more questions to you. I think we we barely covered half of the questions that we prepared, but uh, we are running short on time. The last question that I would want to ask, maybe you can give you suggestions to our listeners and to us about uh, maybe books or your favorite podcasts on customer experience where else we can you know um, get this inspiration because it's such an interesting topic
2: Oh man um so there's so many books there's uh and there's so many TED talks and there's so many examples I mean if you if you listen to Chip Hicken on TED Talk you you listen to Will Ghidara, you read his book on uh, hospitality um and I can send you the links so you can put them in the I I, I can send you links of most of these things um yeah you know th- there's uh if you're If you're truly passionate about improving the experience i mean there's so much that you can learn from behavioral science there's so many fun people to follow who don't make behavioral science scientific they make it really understandable uh, but I would say maybe the most practical advice I would give is you know go beyond the obvious right so don't don't just do the normal you know a lot of the airlines that I work with that I talk to including airports right you know when i uh, work with the customer experience people in the team, I, I realized that they don't have the right tools around them to support them. You know? So they don't have an analyst, for example. They, they don't have the right data. They don't have, the, they're not equipped or, or they're not sort of um, enhanced by the vision from the leadership. So they don't know what, what is my brand supposed to stand for? Um, what, what is my airline trying to deliver at the end of the day? I mean, okay, on time departure, sure, obviously. But beyond that, Right? Um, so I think, you know, go beyond the obvious, look at the data, um, sort of, you know, create some, if you have the chance to create a character for your, for your, for your brand, you know, um, hire some smart and humorous marketing people instead of marketing people who, you know, simply work within the boundaries, right? And get very, very granular with your data. And I think this is really important because, you know, with hundreds of thousands of people, you potentially have thousands of segments, Passengers, and we typically think of business economy, male, female, leisure, business, uh, or pleasure, right? Three segments, Uh, adult, child, it's so much more than that. And you know, and once you get granular with your segmentation of customers, you can identify what they value. So, a child will value something very differently than a teenager, a teenager will value something differently from his parents, and so on and so forth, right? And when you discover that value, then you will figure out how to deliver it. Now, let me just tell you a quick story, right? My last flight, or my, rather my first flight with Emirates was amazing. I will never forget it because I was with my family. And sort of about an hour or two after departure, after the meal service, um, the crew came around with um, uh, Polaroids, right? And they, they they stood there and they took three or four photos of us and they let us pose and they said and they told us how to pose, where to pose, close the window so that the light is not I mean, all of that, right? And we got to keep the photographs and then they signed at the back of it. I mean, it's so simple. It's so simple, right? Of course, it costs a bit of money. You multiply that over two hundred aircraft. Sure, it costs money, but the impact that it's left on me. I'm now talking about it on a podcast. You know, it, it's the things that. You can deliver that, that makes sense to somebody, you know, that, that gives them value and gives them memories and gives them good feelings. That's the important part. So go beyond the obvious.
0: I think it's such a nice way to end the podcast. And to all our listeners here, I think what you would get from this is move away from AE. What is AE? Artificial experience to HH. What is HH? is human happiness. It's about customer happiness, or like Vimal said, it's heart to heart. So don't think about AI. Think about moving away from from AE, right? Artificial experience. Thank you so much, Vimal. My pleasure. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you,
1: Vimal.
0: Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you, David.